0: Over 130 residential schools operated in Canada. The first federal residential school began around 1883, the last closed in 1996. These schools, predominantly funded and operated by the Government of Canada and Roman Catholic, Anglican, Methodist, Presbyterian, and United Churches, were created to enforce the adoption of European traditions, languages, and lifestyles by First Nations, Métis, and Inuit children. To better understand the history of these schools and what it meant to Indigenous communities, we invited residential school attendees and their families to share their stories and experiences. For some, these stories are a moment of healing. For others, a chance to talk about the history and the system. All are important to preserve for future generations. My name is Ryan Funk, and with my co-host Lisa Muswagon, we followed these stories for We Stand Together.
1: My name is Rosemary Waukegeegeek. Residence is Wikwemikong on Territory, Manitoulin Island, Ontario. And I attended Spanish residential school. I did make a little bit of notes here, the pros and cons when I went there. And I always believe in the four areas of well-being. And uh, I think they were not practiced in some areas. That's the physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. Wholeness is W-H-O-L-E, not holiness. The cons, I guess, I just quickly wrote down were those four years of well-being. Where do I begin? I was about eight years old when I went there. When I went, I did not speak a word of English. Maybe yes or no, whatever that meant. Upon my initial contact with the nun, Miss Latre was her name was my prefect, a local girl who had tuberculosis, spent some time in the hospital and learned her English. So she was my translator. And then she says, can you stop out on the And I thought, yeah, I can do that. I can wet my bed, yes. I thought I could get a cup of water and wet my bed. <laughs> the word PEE was not used. I- But in our language, she, the girl really translated word for word, you know, into English. Maybe several weeks went by, and I was put in the middle aisle, probably along with other kids. These were the bedwetters, I guess. Finally, my name not being Rosemary, it was 173. 173 gets called out. And then I guess I must have learned English very quickly, because that nun was pointing at me, she said, you must not tell lies. I didn't know what she meant by that. I didn't know I lied, whatever that meant. But I never wet my bed, so it was a lie. And then life went on. I was made to sleep on a real high straw mattress. And as time went on, I guess I must have been flattening it and those little Sharp things kept poking my back, so I didn't have a good sleep. Eventually, I must have ended up in a regular bed or cot. That's where I slept. In not using our names, my number was 173. My younger sister was 172, and my youngest was 171. So 172 and 173 were speaking their language. That's us in the washroom not realizing our prefect was standing outside the door, so she overheard us. Upon our exit, she grabbed me, 173, pulled my cheeks real hard. I don't remember what she said to me, but I do know she got us speaking her language. She pulled them real quite hard where I ended up with uh, a bruised cheeks because she really hurt me bruised and they were black and blue and purple. I think that was physical abuse because I spoke my language. You know what though? It made me stronger. I never lost it. That's my number one language. Physical abuse again is I remember another girl. I remember Mary having a scuffle or if the nun was giving, pushing her around, but Mary arm went through the glass door. I don't know if she punched the door or the nun pushed her. All I remember seeing was blood splattered all over. I don't recall seeing her for some time, I don't know how long, but eventually she made it back to the classroom and her arm was all bandaged up. I don't know if it was a cast or a, it was bandaged up anyway. And we had an infirmary there and the nurse was Miss Toar. And I'm not sure if she was taken to the hospital or she kept her there, you know, so the word doesn't get out the kind of treatment we were getting. Mary, I never spoke to her, and I found out she's still alive. I wish I could visit her and see what what the onset was. So that was definitely physical abuse. And another girl, we had chores, so my chore was to uh, first I don't know how long I was. I did the stairs with a little brush and a dustpan. I don't know how many flights of stairs I did after our collation. Collation was a snack. I don't know, maybe half a sandwich or a whole sandwich. I don't know, maybe an apple, half an apple. I did that, and then finally I was assigned to the dormitory to work with a Maryland, And we had a very cross nun. Miss O'Driscoll was her name. Irish temper, I guess. And she was picking on Marilyn. I guess Marilyn got pretty fed up until one day she chased her with a vacuum cleaner and sucked up her nylons. I was scared at the time, but now I kind of chuckle and I think about it. Marilyn was pretty brave to do that. I never saw her again, wondered what happened to her. So it wasn't until about a year and a half ago, I found out she's still alive living in Southern Ontario. And I wish I could visit her too. After that I was assigned to the uh, I always wanted to work in the kitchen. I guess maybe we were always hungry because sometimes all we got was boiled egg soup. Well I loved any kind of food. It was good. I went work in the kitchen. My supervisor sir, there was uh, Miss Partsy. She was also a nun they called them Miss not Sister. Miss Partsy. And I go in there big long wooden table and at the end there's a wood stove. I go in there and wouldn't I see three cupcakes right in the middle of the table. We were told it's a scent to steal. I didn't dare steal one of them. I looked at them. I kept eyeing at them till Miss Bartzi came in and I could hear her approaching me and then I could hear her high-heeled shoes and look. Oh, she's going to give me a cupcake. She grabbed all three and flung them into the wood stove. I never got one. I never forgot that. No, I feel like crying when I talk about it. You know, that was awfully mean. That's the kind of abuse we had. We used to get letters from home, and they were already opened, the nuns had read through them. They used scary tactics. Pray hard, they said. Communists are coming. The Russians are coming. Pray hard. If they come here, they're going to cut off your thumb, your finger, or your arm, or your foot. Pray, pray, pray. I guess we prayed. I still have all my fingers. Russians never came. And also we were told, do not go to other churches to pray. You only stick to the Catholic Church. Sometimes we were taken for walks downtown, two by two. And we used to say, don't you dare look at that church over there. That's a Protestant church. It's an Anglican church. It's supposed to be Anglican. That's the kind of fear that was instilled in us. And the spiritual teachings, you know, some of them were so contradictory when I looked at We were always told, you are made in the image and likeness of God. And going back to my, uh, our punishment in the washroom, getting my cheeks pulled, I thought of this phrase that we were taught as I was looking up at the nun and she was hurting me. And being a young girl, I guess that was... uh, I must have been pretty smart to think that. It didn't look right. (laughs) And to this day, I saw that picture of her. We were playing ball, I guess, and she's there standing, skinny little nun with high heel shoes. And she had her hands on her hips, very authoritative pose. And that was a little trigger for me. I haven't seen that picture. Maybe someone threw it away. It was in the church basement. I guess I should start started with this. Physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual are the four areas of well-being. If one of them is missing, you're not well. And again, wholeness is W-H-O-L. Not holiness, H-O-L-I. Anyway, I've looked at all these. Being brought up by my grandma, my dad, in both walks of life. Christianity and traditional. I feel very fortunate. I have I was raised by both. My grandma used to smoke her pipe when the when it was starting to thunder. She would say the first set of thunder is the uh, old people. they're quiet. Next ones are the adults. They're a little bit noisier. The third group are the teens, and they're noisy. The last ones are very noisy, and those are the babies and children. So the four areas, again, is very. You know, the four, number four is very meaningful to me in those areas of well-being and the four seasons, four stages of life, et cetera. I've learned a lot because I'm 78 years old now. Eh? For my healing, from being in residential school and being brought up in a broken family, my dad had tuberculosis, was in the hospital for a long time. So our grandma raised us, our paternal grandma. The other grandma, my mum's mum, was not very good to us. We were neglected. My mom being young, she went off on a relationship. So I guess Spanish was our refuge. So these are all mostly negative things. But then when I look back, you know, I learned English pretty quick. And now I'm a grammar and spelling queen. That was really pushed into our heads, the English language. And I learned good hygiene. And I learned how to sew. And use a darning needle to mend my socks, and then we did chores. And I have learned to appreciate music because we sang a lot over there. We had to sing properly, not just any old way. I guess we followed notes. I guess is what they were called. So I ended up here in uh, the Wakemakang into our own school system, and it was still run by nuns. And this is the first time I got a strap. It was a long, kind of a leather-like tough strap that I got. Because uh, some students went on the stri- went on the strike. We were learning Latin, and then for every mistake we made, we had to write it 700 times. So we all students sat up all night doing theirs, and we never finished. So some went on strike, but the five of us stayed behind. We got the strap. The ones that walked out never got the strap. To this day, that was not a fair treatment by the nuns. Again, you know, so so mean. <laughs> and then I'd like to emphasize, we have we had good nuns, we had mean nuns. And today I had good teachers and mean teachers. I still learned. I think it kind of balances out the pros and the cons. And to this day, I, fo- I still follow both as our ancestors accepted uh, Christianity. They must have thought it was good for us. And uh, we studied the, uh, listening to the indigenous voices. This is about the history of the church and the monarchy, how the church really, you know, created the doctrine that we'd like to uh, rescind, maybe. And I went to see the Pope. I was one of the survivors. I was lucky enough to go and shake the hands, Pope. So I told him briefly my story about 173. And he looked really sad. He held my right arm real tight. He had that look of sadness and he just pressed my arm real hard and he prayed over me and he prayed my little objects that I had to bless them. He was sincere, I thought. Just from looking at him, you know who is sincere and who isn't. So I think that was a very strong feeling of healing for me. It brought me back hope. There is hope. What happened in the past, we cannot change. But we can change ourselves, starting with yourself. And I did my healing. I attended fasts Oh, it was hard, Forty no, not even water. I did many sweats, this was my form of healing. And I think I'm doing pretty well at 78 years of age. I don't live on the negative, I try and live on the positive. I think it's helping me taking care of my body and it's a sin to smoke, we were told. It's a sin to drink. I don't smoke. I'll drink maybe an odd glass of wine, maybe at a special ceremony or Thanksgiving dinner. Other than that, I think I learned how to look after myself. And I got settlements for the physical abuse. But there are other abuses that should have been covered there, like sexual abuse was the only one covered. There are many other abuses. I'm still praying. I think it keeps me on the straight and narrow. And I have a good outlook on life. And I try and spread that word around to my community members. And I'm also an elder in our community. So basically it. Any questions, comments?
0: (laughs) Thank you, Rosemary, for sharing your story. You know, whenever you're talking about experiences, when there is a negative involved, um, it can be difficult and it can bring up some of those uh, emotions again. So uh, I thank you for taking this time and your willingness to share this with us. For newcomers or young generations that are hearing these stories kind of for the first time, what sort of things are you hoping they take away from listening to Indigenous folks share about their experiences of residential school?
1: That's an excellent question. I just retired from the education system after 40 years, and I did a lot of things, but I was also a counselor. That was the opportune time, seeing kids, you know, in my office. And I then I, my setting in the office was the the desk was not a barrier. I put it to the side because that is a barrier. So I sat with them side by side. I walked with them side by side, and we talked. And I taught them a few things. And uh, it's I think I did teach them something. And I think they're doing pretty good now. Some of them have come back. Oh, yeah, I remember that, Miss Wakigizhek. Oh, good for you. I never forgot that. So every now and again, they'll uh, greet me, and Miss Wakigizhek is what they call me. I'm still teaching them, uh, and I was on the elders' uh, committee under chief and council, which I felt we were kind of restricted to what we could do. But as an individual, I'm still known as an elder, and I talked to kids. And I shared my experiences visiting the Pope in Quebec City. The pros and the cons I saw was there. And uh, I love children. No wonder I was there for 40 years, close to 40 years. I think I was short one year. Yeah, because I turned 65, I had to retire. But I still have a lot to offer to them. And I talk to them when I run into them.
0: Yeah, you have a wealth of knowledge and experience and you've gone through a lot in your life and you've been able to find healing. What was that healing process for you, for some of the negative experiences that you had? I think
1: it was so, I had a, what's the word, surreal experience of letting everything go. And every day is a new day, it's a new beginning. And I can relate that to... And I visit now elderly and uh, young. And I go to the uh, our traditional medicine lodge where the drug addicts go or troubled people, and there's mostly young people there. So I go in there and share. That's what I do. In fact, it's on today. I'll be heading out there. And then they... Oh, they treat me so good. They bring me water. They hold my hand when I go outside. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I feel so important. <laughs> well, our elders are important. The uh, The stories they hold and the experiences they can share with us. It's an opportunity to, when we listen to elders, to hear about the stories of the past. And I know it's a little cliche, but when we know and hear these stories, mm-hmm. we can make sure that we don't repeat them.
1: Make sure they're not repeat, but they're still happening. <laughs> our leaders invited the Pope to come, he came. How come they're not inviting the King, in, or King Charles now, or the Queen Elizabeth at the time? How come they're not inviting him to come and talk to us too, not just the Pope, <laughs> was my question. Because they walked side by side and uh, trying to get rid of us. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, and it just dawned on me. I have so much to say. Truth and reconciliation. I finally understood that we have to hear the truth. The truth is the negative experiences, how we were treated by the government. We had to hear that. And we had to hear it about the monarchy too. So now it's up to me to reconcile. And that's what I'm working on still, probably till the day I die. And sometimes I was invited, not now since the COVID, I used to go to the school as an elder and speak to the kids. That was my opportune time to talk to the kids, too. I talked about my residential school experience, and I I like to draw, so I would do drawings on the chalkboard because as Native people, we are visual learners. And you could hear a pin drop when I spoke, when I talked about my experiences. And I said, I'm still alive, I'm still smiling. (laughs) And life is not easy.
0: You mentioned, you know, inviting um, King Charles down and... Uh, figureheads of these organizations and institutions that were responsible for this to to talk about things. For Indigenous and non-Indigenous folks, uh, just in your opinion, what are some steps that we can all take together to build a better future for us and improve relationships?
1: Well, we have an election here every two years. And those people that are elected, we call them Those are the ones that are supposed to speak up for us Along with the chief, they work together And those are our people that should be going out there And um, that is my dream now We got a new chief and council, it's a lady this time And that's my next step, is to approach them And pass the word along to the other, there's so many levels of government among the Native people, too. I just don't agree with that. There's many, they send you here, they send you their red tape. But what I would like to do is make a presentation to chief and council, and this would be one that would go to the higher-ups and say, you know, how about demanding that King Charles come and visit us, too, as a little person here in our community. We have quite a big community. That would be my answer there
0: yeah getting uh getting our elected officials to actually do their jobs right
1: exactly we're counting on you we voted you in work for us walk with us you know i don't believe in these people you know walking ahead of you we walk together
0: hand in hand that's that's what i agree with as well we're all people here
1: hand in hand i wish i could speak doing the language <laughs> but anyway this is where i'm at
0: Thank you Rosemary for taking this time to share with me. I really appreciate your time and hopefully people learn about these experiences and take those feelings and thoughts and they can apply it to themselves to help work together and be you know friendly with their friends, neighbors, family yes, and you know build better systems.
1: Yes, be kind to one another. Even I tell the kids, I told the kids be kind to your enemies. Nothing hurts them as much. (laughs) I think I have had a lot of opportunity to speak with the kids about this whole thing, to live a good life. And we're just... uh, Young people are dying from opiates, say. Drug abuse all over the place. It's uh, happening everywhere. I would be lying to say it's not happening here. And I don't think we can... I don't think we can blame the residential school now because people have died off and some of them don't even know what residential school is. But I'm sure the parents that went there have uh, left some behind dysfunctionality among families. I'm pretty sure. But for me, I wasn't going to do that at night. We had five children and they're doing quite well
0: academically. Oh, I'm glad to hear that your children are doing well.
1: Uh One is a physician, one is a teacher of medical staff, like doctors and nurses on the computer, uh, medical information on computers and help individual files across the province. So he's doing quite well. He was a high school teacher for many years. Well, eight years is time to move on. Now he's teaching the medical profession. So I think my kids did well, and they used to say, you're smart. They said, they're not smart. They just work hard. Yeah, very humble, modest people. I'm glad. Humility is one of the seven grandfather teachings and respect. Yeah, I will try and walk the talk too in those areas. So I do have opportunities when I'm asked to speak. I have to be asked, and that's an elder's role. You have to be asked. You don't push yourself. Mm-hmm. And elders know you're seeing 55 and over. I don't think so. <laughs> it's got to be over 55.
0: Thank you so much, Rosemary. I mean, we could probably talk all day on the phone together.
1: Oh, yes, for sure, for sure. But uh, I'm so glad I spoke to you initially regarding my being told only to talk about the negative things.
0: I, I think it's important to hear a full context of someone's experience. And in terms of, like, our society, I believe that some of the aspects of uh, Western teachings is good. There are some positives there. Uh, there's a lot of negatives in terms of uh, Western kind of ideology and stuff like that. And then there's a lot of positives within Indigenous knowledge and Indigenous teachings. And it's like, we need to we need to blend these ideas together.
1: Oh, well, when we look at the whole world, do we have different organizations, different groups of people working on how to live a good life. All uh, you know, the lawyers all these different government organizations, renewable energy, healthy environment. Every little group is doing their thing in this whole world, including the cosmic universe. There are things out there too. (laughs) I'm still learning.
0: U Multicultural is located on Treaty 1 territory, the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Cree, Oji-Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples. Now the national homeland of the Red River Métis.